Come on, one time with everything in you. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Wow. That's great. You can be seated. Praise God. That's amazing. Thank you. Wow. Incredible. Man, you, you feel a little amped up today. Was there something different in the coffee, or you had some Red Bulls, or Starbucks double shot? Or, man, good job. Praise God. I got a couple things to cover before we get into the Word. Part of the Word uh, this morning is really deep. Um, you need to know that. So if you're like a note taker, uh, because I'm from the north, I talk really fast. I'm going to try to slow it down for that, but I lost a few people the first service. My wife was one of them. And, uh, <laughs> and she has access to notes. I can give her, like, I can just give her the notes. Uh, and I saw her check out on me until I got her back later, later in the service. But uh, I don't want you to check out on me. So I'm, I'm going to give you some time just to get your mobile device out or pen and paper. You get a worship guide because there's some things we're going to talk about that are, in, it's, we're, in a, we're living in a really, really tough age right now. And so we're going to talk about some of that stuff and, and that'll, that'll help you. But a couple things, first of all, I want to uh, cover. This, it doesn't make as much difference for you as it does the first service, but September 1st and October 13th, we're going to have one service at 11. Now for you, it makes a little bit difference because you want to get here a little bit earlier or someone will have your seat because the nine o'clock crowd will have waited two hours to get here and they'll get here at 1030. So if you get here like at 11, your seat might be gone that day. Okay. So uh, we do that though for the broadcast service. We have 150, 200 people that watch live online each week. Can we give them a shout out by the way? God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate, appreciate you tuning in. And so, uh, so September 1st is Labor Day weekend. We always go to one service for holiday weekends, and then, unless it's Easter. And then on October 13th, 14th, and 15th, we're going to have our uh, first Grace Conference, Destiny Now, will be our theme. And so we want you to come out for that. That'll be one service at 11. Then we'll have Matt Fry here from C3 Church in, uh, outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, on that Monday and Tuesday night. So come on out for that. Mark it on your, your calendars. There was a date change on that. It was going to be the third and fourth, but we had to sh shift some things around, okay? And so then a couple things that we did during the Esther series, we put forth some initiatives, three initiatives. One was try to get 100 people to come up to Cherokee with us on September 21st. We had like 75 or so sign up right now. We're, we're looking for another 25. If you can make it, we'd love to have you up there. Uh, Friday night, if you want to get a hotel room, there's hotels uh, in the lobby. Uh, we're asking everybody this year just to make their own arrangements. Uh, Saturday, you can come up and back the same day. It's about a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour drive or so. Uh, it'd be a great, great time. A lot of ministry done, a lot of great things. So that was one of our initiatives. Second initiative was to take some money and uh, pay off $1.5 million worth of uh, local medical debt across the state of North Carolina. We were able to do that with $15,000 and pay off $1.5 million. And here's the letter. Now, this, this is cool. So there's no precursor. Someone goes to their mailbox. Uh, they'll have a uh, you know, they'll have outstanding medical debt that they just can't pay off. And they're going to get this letter that states this. This is the, the coolest thing. And nearly a thousand families, okay, were helped through this initiative. Uh, dear so-and-so, we're pleased to inform you that you no longer owe the balance on the debt re referenced above to the above provider. We are not, we are a not-for-profit 501c3 corporation that acquires and then cancels unpaid 
and unpayable medical debt. This debt has been canceled and abolished with funds donated by Grace Church of Hickory, North Carolina. You can learn more about the church at gracechurch.tv. Our forgiveness of the amount you owe is a no-strings-attached gift. You are no longer have any obligation to pay this debt anymore at any future time because this debt has been canceled by, as a gift from a 501c3 charity. You do not owe any taxes on the cancellation of debt income. And it goes on to tell a little bit more. Can you give it up for the Lord this morning? That is just so cool. Roughly... Uh, they tell, they're going to give us the exact number of families, but they're telling me roughly 1,000 families will be helped uh, through that gift, and uh, just all in the state of North Carolina. It's just an amazing thing. And then one more time, uh, we were able to adopt out 200 uh, uh, Haitian orphans. Can you give it up for the Lord on that one? God bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, Man, uh, Janie and I just love our church. We love what you're about. We love the fact that you're not about yourself and that you continue to give uh, towards other needs. And so uh, if you've given or adopted a Haitian orphan, uh, you can do a couple things. You can give it all at once. If you don't want to, you give it monthly. And we're just asking before the last Sunday of each month, if whatever, if you did one child, 10 children, five, whatever, if you just... Uh, pay on the kiosk, write a checkout, online giving, however you normally give, uh, over and above your tithe and offering. If you give it with your tithe and offering, you just need to split out how much is going for the Haiti orphans. And we're so excited about that. And again, we thank you so much for uh, being a part of something that's just as truly a miracle and uh, what God is going to do down there in Haiti at the orphanage. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for just grabbing a hold of that. Amen? All right. So we're in a new series. That was Esther. And in this series, we're going to talk about truths. And there's really four different types of truths. And the first one is the absolute truth. These are the, the core essentials. These are, if someone says, when we talk about these four today, if someone comes up to you, irregardless of their background, irregardless of what they look like, act like, talk like, if they are partnering with these four truths, then we're kind of on the same pathway together. If they're not, then we want to introduce them to these truths so that we can form a relationship not only with them, but they can form a relationship with Jesus. Because some people say, well, they don't, you know, they don't think like us. They're, they have different doctrines. They have different theologies. And that's, that could very well be true. And I don't want to mince things together because we're going to talk about different truths throughout this. And we'll, and we'll hit some stuff pretty hard, but we'll also hit it with grace, okay? So we're, we want to talk about things that others are maybe afraid to talk about so that we can say, okay, let's get back to the basics. What are our core truths? So I'm going to talk about absolute truths today. Marcus is going to talk about interpretive truths next week. Uh, Janie and I are celebrating our 39th wedding anniversary on Friday. So we're going to go away for a couple days. And uh, thank you. Thank you, honey, for putting up with me for 39 years. And so we're going to go away, but he's going to preach. Marcus has his master's degree from Liberty University School of Theology, Divinity. So uh, he's very capable of, of teaching doctrine and truth, okay? Brian will be teaching on Wednesday night, although I don't know that it's going to be part of this sermon series. It may be a standalone, but come out Wednesday night, get communion, come back on Sunday, hear the interpretive truth. So we have absolute truth. We have interpretive truth. Then we have uh, cultural truth. Like uh, back in the day when I got uh, when I got saved, when I gave my heart to the Lord, became a Christ follower, uh, the preacher didn't look like this. 
Okay, they had a suit on and a tie. A Sunday night, Wednesday night, they were you know a suit and tie, uh, King James version. Things look a little bit different, but that was the culture of the time. When Janie and I got married, because she lived in a very strict household, the first thing we did on our honeymoon was she got her ears pierced. Go figure. Right, and that was a rebellion because now she was under my care, right? Uh, and so uh, she said, I want my ears pierced. I said, all right, let's go get your ears pierced, you know? And so uh, the different cultural truths. So, but sometimes we adopt cultural truths as doctrine or as a theological stance. So absolute truth today, these are non-negotiable. These are, these are, we're not gonna bargain away from these at all. Then interpretive truths, those are things that different, maybe set aside different denominations or different respects of how people worship or, or if they're filled with the baptism or not baptized, whatever. And then the last one is deductive truth. And we'll talk about judging a little bit this way so that we're very careful that we're not becoming uh, little gods, okay? That we're judging everybody and how they stack up with us or how we stack up with somebody else. Are you with me? This is important to know because the society that we're starting to live in, uh, a lot of uh, lines are blurred. A lot of lines are crossed and we need to kind of sort some things out. So stand with me today. We're going to read out of John, the first chapter, the first four verses, and then we'll, uh, we'll pray and then we'll, we'll talk about uh, uh, four absolute truths as as I see them that are non-negotiable. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of Men. Father, we pray blessings today. We thank you, Lord, for truths. We thank you, Lord, that we can open our heart to receive today all that you have for us, all that we know to be true and believe and stand upon. In your, in your holy name we pray. And everybody in agreement said amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. You could be seated at this time. So we look at uh, different societal uh, venues and things that take place in our society and how society sometimes uh, progress in different ways. They then sometimes digress or regress, uh, sometimes uh, maybe spiritually, maybe not, but in some cases they are. And so uh, if, you ha if you're not familiar what's taken place with the, within the last uh, 24 hours. There's been two mass shootings, one in uh, El Paso, Texas, where I think 20 people died and another 26 were uh, injured. And then in Dayton, Ohio, where I believe 10 people died and 16 were injured. And this is just in the last 24 hours. But in the 218 days that have existed in this calendar year, this year, there's been 251 mass shootings with 280 deaths and 1,092 uh, wounds or people being hurt. Uh, church, that's, that's just way, way too much. Now, we would have some people that say, well, we need more, more gun control. And we would have some people that say, well, we need, more, we, need, we need more guns. And I would say we don't need either. We need more God. And if we have more God, then we'll be all right. And, and this, is, this is absolutely true because we have to focus on one thing. And back in 1962, when we took prayer out of school, we started this process that now we all have to live with today because then it became, it wasn't just prayer, then it was taking the Bible. It wasn't just the Bible, then it was the Ten Commandments, it wasn't the Ten Commandments, then it was abortion, it wasn't abortion, then it was, it just goes on and on and on until we denigrate society. And there's three different types of societies that we look at if you look at it uh, sociologically 
quickly, okay? The first one is a theocratic society. And I'll spell that in case you're taking notes, T-H-E-O. C-R-A-T-I-C, cratic. Cratic will be the last word of every three society. Theo, God, okay? So it's a God society. This is the type of society that America was founded on. In God we trust, one nation under God, the equality of the pursuit of happiness and the freedom of religious purposes so that we can worship God. So in a theocratic society, this would be a priestly ruler. In other words, in our theocratic society, it would be God as, as the lead, right? And so we, we look at this, and this is important to know because we're far removed, America is, from even being a post-Christian society. We're post-truth society. And this is why we need to talk about absolute truths because a lot of people that we con- come in contact with, they're, they're, uh, they speculate uh, on what truth is. We, we become the bearers of our own truth. So the second type of society is a heterocratic society, H-E-T-E-R-O, heterocratic society. Why is that important? Well, because uh, just like we would look at heterosexual, male and female, this is not what that society is about. It's about right versus wrong. It's about left versus right. It's about this versus that. And so we, what happens in a heterocratic society is we become divided and we become, we become polarized. And if you can see in America today, we're very polarized, okay? You either like this guy or you hate him. You're, you're either for this person or you're not. And we become, we become removed from God because we've, we challenge ourselves on what we like maybe politically or sports team-wise or church-wise or shopping-wise. It all becomes a part of competition and it becomes a, a thing that if you're for that person, then you might must be against this person, and that's not a God stance. God's for everybody. God loves everybody. God is love, right? Are you with me? I mean, we grow into the church world to where people don't look like us, smell like us, uh, act like us, then they must not be godly people, and yet we're the ones that need to start submitting ourselves to the Lord and say, okay, God, forgive me, and let's walk through this thing together. And if you agree with these four absolute truths that I'm going to talk about today, the rest of the truths, the interpretive truths, the cultural truths, and the deductive truths, they're there's some, there's some conversation there. Then we can create dialogue. Are you with me? But if we're not on the page on the four absolute truths today, then we have to have a different conversation. That, that would be one where we start to talk about apologetics. Not apologizing, but apologetics where we defend the truth we believe in. But I'm going to guess probably, if not everybody, 99.9% of the people here today will agree with the absolute truth. So the third type of society is an autocratic society, A-U-T-O credit society. That's one that in the back, back in the day, the, Hitler was an autocratic society. Stalin was, Lenin was, the uh, dictator type uh, society. But today, an autocratic society is me worrying about myself. Does it apply to me or can I make the word of God apply to me? Can I find scripture in here that will lend itself to uh, my thinking, my theology, my, my theocratic belief? And so we have to be careful careful because the autocratic society is post-truth. We take things for truth, and some people will say, well, there is no God, so therefore the Bible doesn't exist the way we read it. But if you don't agree or read the Bible, you'd have a hard time convincing the 40 authors over 1,500 years that have written the 66 books.
books that everything meshes together about the redemption of God. Certainly one author in the Old Testament didn't know what the, new, what the author of the New Testament was writing, but they wrote together. And so then when they sit down to canonize the scriptures, they come to this conclusion, hey, this story inter, inter Beans. This story is all one thing. So I'm going to give you four absolute truths today because of the societal impact that we have in the theo, the uh, um, hetero, and the autocratic societies. Now, you don't have to write those down. Janie will forget them the second I say them. She's like, already forgotten them. It's not important. I say it only for this reason, not to sound smart, not to act smart, because I really am not that smart, is to say our society is in trouble when there's 251 mass shootings in 218 days when 280 people die just for going to the mall. We need more God in our lives. Right? And that's the first absolute truth, that God exists. You have to know that, that God exists. There, there is a God. Not, not a God that you choose to worship. Well, I choose to worship this God. Or I choose to worship, this is my God. And we, we've had people in here before that have had different types of God that they worshiped. And I won't go into the detail. But I want to tell you that, that God exists. The, the great I am, okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And also, God's existence is not challenged at all in the scriptures. God writes the Bible. This is our book to believe that he exists. I believe that he exists. Can you give God a great big round of applause for being who he is? He's a good God. He's not an evil judge. He's not wearing a black robe. He doesn't have a gavel. Every time you drop the ball or do something wrong, he's not just going to slam you down and pick on you. He wants to build you up. He wants to lift you up. He loves you. That's why he sent his son for you. This, this is a good, good God. But we look in these societies, and we're in, when we're in a post-Christian and a post-truth post uh, culture, we have to start to defend the truth. And, and I said it in the first service. I'll say it again here. Sometimes in the South, and, and, and I'm not just bashing the, the Southerners because you're all great people, is sometimes we all think we're all saved. We said the prayer at, you know, seven years old and uh, got baptized at eight and stopped going to church at nine. Now, you're here today, so you're obviously not one of those, but we have to know that God is real and God exists and God expects some things for us. So God created a fellowship with man, with Adam and Eve, and because he created fellowship with, with Adam and Eve, then some things went south and we won't get there in just a moment. But I want to give you just some of the names of God because they're so powerful. See, God is so big, church. He is so absolutely big that we only get to see bits and pieces of him. We only get to see parts of him. We only get to see personalities of him. But when we talk about God, we're talking about the position of the Godhead. We believe doctrinally that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are individually but work so cohesively they're as one. And we call them God. Are you with me? So this is important to know because then there, that's a plural sense of God. And that, was, that we would call that L, okay? And then there's an Elohim. Uh, that's uh, our, our El is singular. Elohim is, is plural. But look at some of the gods. El Shaddai. He's the all-sufficient one. El Yon. He's the most high. Roi. He sees everything. Olam. He's everlasting. Gabar. He's a mighty God. Jehovah, which we identify with Jesus Christ. He's the, the Lord is. He is that I am that I am. He's Megan. He's a shield. He's uh, Sintake. He's righteous. He's Jireh. He's the provider. He's Rapha. He's 
the healer. He's Nisi. He's the banner. He's M. Kadesh. He's the sanctifier. He's Shalom. He's our peace. He's Rohai, our shepherd. He's Shama. He's present. He's Sabbath. He's the Lord of hosts. He's Sidkenu. He's our righteousness. He's Hosanu. He's our maker. He's Shaphat. He's our judge. He's Abur, the mighty one. He's Tisamach, the branch of David. He's Kadash. He's the holy one. He's Kana. He's jealous. Do you know Jesus is jealous for you? He loves you so much. He's Pele, our deliverer. He's Yahshua, our savior. He's Gala, our redeemer. He's Raha, our shepherd. He's Abin, our stone. He's Yalawuth, our strength. He's Adonai, our master. He's Tasur, our rock. He's Malik, our king. He's Ab, our father. He's Rashon and Akran, or the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And he's Emmanuel, God with us. The God who created us chooses to step out of heaven to be with us. And we need to know that God exists because he's not a fantasy. He's not a fairy tale. This is very doctrinal to our belief. This is very core. You have to know that not only does God exist, he cares. And the second absolute truth is the part about Adam and Eve and man falling. A man fell from grace when uh, Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't something that maybe any of us would have done. But God created Adam and Eve for fellowship. If you believe in uh, Dake's theory on pre-existence, uh, pre-Adamite existence, where when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he had to go somewhere. He came to earth. The Bible says the earth was, and there technically is a pause there, but was without form and void. So the earth was, in my belief, I believe and I follow Dake's belief, that the earth probably did exist. It wasn't formed, and, and Satan had to go somewhere. So he came to earth. When God formed the earth then, and he placed man on it, he wanted fellowship. But God also had a plan because he knew Satan existed there, and Satan maybe would cause some trouble. And so he had a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and all the other trees in the garden. And he was, they warned Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, when we seek uh, knowledge, that's not altogether bad, but it's better if we seek God. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have knowledge. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't go to school. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't uh, participate in furthering your education and learning and all those great things that educators provide. But what it does mean is that sometimes knowledge puffs up. Knowledge can be power, but it can also puff up. Eve and Adam wanted that power. They wanted to know the knowledge of good and evil because Satan tricked them. Okay, and so then in Genesis, the third chapter, verses six through nine, they fell. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life. God expelled them from the garden. He took the tree of life up into heavenlies where there's an orchard, a little orchard up there today. That tree is protected because he said, should they eat from that tree of life, they would just be like them. Someday we'll have glorified bodies. Someday we'll be an everlasting God's presence. Someday we'll walk through this thing together and we'll know each other. But uh, when Adam and E fell, it brought sin into the world. It brought a curse. Sin is simply missing the mark. That's what the word sin means. If we miss the mark, we've sinned, okay? Uh, James said, if to know, uh, or John said, if you know to do good and do it not, to that person it is sin. So we learn in and of ourselves. And so we fell, and when we're born into this thing, we're born into sin. Now some will say, and I'll give you our theology and doctrine on it, some will say, well, what about the little child that didn't know right from wrong, good from evil? They're 
born into sin, are they sinful? I don't believe until they reach a age of accountability. So if a young person dies, maybe a baby or someone who is an infant or someone who's in early childhood development, if they, if they die, I believe they go spend eternity with, with the Lord. That's my personal theological belief. And the reason is because there's a scripture in Matthew 10 where a young person's uh, 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 got healed of being blind and they went to the parents to try to draw the young person out and they said he's the age of accountability you ask him I think there's an age of accountability that we can receive then Christ into our spirit uh, that could be different it could be 5 years old, it could be 8 years old, it could be 10 years old we're not sure of someone's uh, uh, maturity level on when they receive Christ. But they're born into sin, so therefore we're sinners. And because we're a sinner, we need a, re a redeemer. And that's number three. Christ died for us. He's the, he's the redemptive vehicle that takes place. So Jesus became man, and be, as while he became man, all right, he died. His sole purpose, he tells Pontius Pilate, for this cause I was born. He was born to die. Which, by the way, is the same thing that should happen to us. We, when we become born again, we should start to die to self. Are you with me? That's critically important because too many people get born again, but they don't die to self, so they're in constant conflict. What, what should we do? We should do what the scripture says. We should die to self, become born again, and now live this life that's in Christ. Jesus came, and he died on the cross, okay, some 2,000 years ago. Well, pastor, I mean, how do you know? There's been a lot of prophets that have died and all that. Well, we know this, that, that, that his tomb has been emptied, that over 500 people saw him while he was resurrected. From, from Mary uh, to Martha, from the two people, Cleopas and the other one on uh, uh, the road to Emmaus, to the 11 disciples, Judas hanged himself, so he wasn't there. Uh, we saw Peter saw him with five other fishermen. He was seen throughout, okay? And we know that he raised, and this is foundational belief. I've been in ecumenical meetings with pastors, and they've said like, well, you know, Jesus is a way, but we don't know for sure if Jesus is the way. No, John tells us in the 14th chapter and the 6th verse that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by the Son. So Jesus is the only way, right? That's non-negotiable. We, we, we stop right there. If someone says, well, I think maybe you can go through uh, Buddha, or maybe you can go through Krishna, or maybe you can go through into Hindu, or maybe you can worship a, a cow, or this or that, I say no. It's, it's not just a cultural thing. It's a biblical thing. All right, we believe in God, and we believe that uh, man sinned, and because man sinned, we need a redeemer. Jesus Christ, so, so when God set this thing up, he also set up the fact that in case man falls, there would be a perfect lamb. So in the Old Testament, when they went to the temple for sacrifice, once a year, the uh, high priest would sacrifice a lamb, spread the blood on the mercy seat, and the Israelites' sins were rolled back for a year, okay? So... And then at that point in time, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they would set a goat, and they would cut the goat's throat, and they would push the goat off a cliff. He became the scapegoat. They would say the sin would transfer from the lamb to the goat. The goat would die off the cliff, and then their sins were rolled back. Well, Jesus is that perfect lamb. He died at 3 o'clock on that Friday afternoon. He was in the grave for the parts of three days. He was resurrected. And so we don't have to sacrifice the lamb anymore. We don't have to put Jesus on the cross anymore. He's been resurrected erected and raised from the cross. Amen? This is what, yeah, give, give the Lord a, a huge hand of praise. He paid your price for you. 
So we believe in the existence of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We know that man had sin, and within the heart of man wants to do good, but it can't do good until Jesus gets a hold of his life. And then we know that Jesus died. He became the propitiation. So what about those people who died before Jesus died? Where do they go? They went into paradise, a type of purgatory, which I don't believe exists anymore, but did exist at one time. Because, because Christ didn't die, hadn't died yet, all those saints of old had to go into what we would call a holding place, a type of hell, but it was a paradise. It was a, a purgatory if you're a mainline denominationalist. So then Jesus, when he, when he died, he went down into the uh, pits of hell, got the keys of hell, death, and the grave, went up into purgatory, paradise. He preached to those saints a resurrection message. They received Christ. Then he rose. And then Matthew 27, verse 51, all the graves were open and they followed him. Then Jesus ascended into heaven. Quickly, he tells Mary, do not touch me. I haven't yet ascended to my father. Goes and parades all the saints before the father because that was the victory march. Came down and spent 40 days on earth until he ascended then again. So Jesus, our core belief is that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived on this earth for 33 and a half years, died, was buried, and rose again. That's our core belief, okay? He did that for number four, for salvation. So our four core belief of our absolute truth is then we believe that salvation is for anybody and everybody. All can be saved. Everybody has the opportunity to, to get saved. You will tell me, what about the person in the bush country of Africa uh, that maybe never hears of Jesus? And I will tell you, you come on the third week of this, and I'll explain my thoughts on that to you, okay? And so, but today we're talking that you need Jesus, right? Everybody needs Jesus. And too much given, much is required so that we live in a country that where Jesus is freely given. We can go to a church, you can, you can plug on the TV tonight, you can watch a sermon after sermon after sermon, you can go online, and you can watch message after message after message. We live in a world that is just entirely so uh, wonderful about preaching, but we also can't be the person that just takes it all in. We have to give it back out as well. So we believe in salvation. What is salvation? Well, salvation is true transformation. Salvation, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and we have this dichotomy in the world. Uh, some, some will say the Baptists believe in eternal security. Pastor, do you believe in eternal security? I do for me because I ain't going back. And some will say, well, what if someone said the prayer and then they walked away? If they said the prayer and they meant it and they walked away, they still have a redeemer, right? They said the prayer and didn't mean it. They never got it in the first place. This is why we stumble so much with Christianity is because there's so many fake Christians out there. Can we, can we be real for a minute? Don't be a fake Christian. Don't be, don't be someone that just, yeah, I love the Lord. And then you talk about everybody. You don't ever come to church. You don't do anything right. You're blah, 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 blah. And it's like, just, just sell out for a moment and see how much fun it is. It's a blast when you sell out for Jesus, right? It's like we go out on Thursdays and, and we knock on doors. And I, I, t I talk about it because it's just, it's fun stories. And we're out the other day and knocking on doors and, and uh, ask one lady, oh, yeah, I love us. I love God, great. Where do you go to church? Uh, uh, around the corner. Well, there's like three or four churches around the corner, and I know a couple of their pastors. Who's your pastor? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> when was the last time you went? Oh, you got me there. 
<laughs> so you really don't go to church. Well, not really, but I mean, I got baptized in a church. How many years ago? Well, about 40. <laughs> All right, was that the last time you were there? Mm, pretty much. <laughs> okay, so again, you don't go to church. Yeah, but I got a church. That is not going to get you to heaven. Just like, well, I'll leave the cops and donuts alone for a minute. Uh, church. Coming to church don't make you a Christian, right? Believing the word of God and acting it out makes you a believer, okay? And it's just, you have to, listen, you have, we have, I'm not saying you are, because I think, I really don't believe you are. We have to stop going through the motions, and we have to start living it each and every day. And as we live it each and every day, salvation is so cool. Salvation, see, to so many people, salvation is the end all. I said the prayer. I check the box, and I'm good to go. No, salvation is just the beginning. So when we, when we see, listen, when we give our heart to the Lord, we become a Christ follower, then discipleship starts, and then, then different things start in our life where we become faithful to church, we become faithful to God, we start to grow in our relationship, we start to walk. Jane and I will have been married 39 years next Friday. We're a different couple than we were 39 years ago. We're still in love. We're just more in love. We know each other better. We know we finish each other's sentences. That's the love relationship that God wants to have with you. He doesn't want you just saved. He wants you to grow in that relationship with him. Does that, does that make sense to you? You have to understand that part of it because if we just get saved and check off the box, look, I'm not damning anybody to hell. If that's what you've done and that's what you do, you're going to stand before judgment someday and answer to what, what God called you to do. But for anybody else that, that gets saved, God then puts things in our lap and in our spirit that says, hey, would you start walking this out? It may just be being a better student, a better son or daughter, a better mom or dad, a better grandparent, maybe being a better employee or a better employer. It might be better in your community. It might be just making a complete difference in just your sphere of influence. Whatever happens, we believe and hold true that salvation is for everyone. Everyone has a right to be saved, right? So we, we look at God. We look at the fall of man. We look at um, Jesus dying on the cross. Why? So that we, we can be saved. Now, there's a preacher. We, we've showed this not this specific video before, but there's a preacher named um, S.M. Langford, and he preached a 55-minute message, and at the end of the message, he talks about his king and do you know him. We're going to play that in just a moment. But it's, it's cute because Andrew preached uh, Wednesday night on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his first two names are Shadrach, Meshach, Langford. And it, it was just a, he's a, he's a, I think he's passed away now, but it's a wonderful, wonderful message. This is the very last part. We kind of let you know our feelings of who Jesus is and why he exists today. Let's go ahead. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternal.
eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him, but yet he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! If you don't know him, you don't know him, it's easy to do. All you gotta do is say, Father, just I, re I repent of my sins and ask for forgiveness. Lord, I receive you into my heart right now in Jesus' name. We don't have to make a show of it. We don't have to make a, uh, you, you come up and talk to me afterwards. But the song we're going to sing here is the creed. And Pastor Creed goes this way. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father. He'll come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy and apostolic church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the dead, and life everlasting. Amen. It's the absolute truth that we believe in. It's the absolute truth that we hold true to. It's the absolute truth that we love and we endure. And if we would just understand that you can grab a hold of it today, his name is Jesus Christ. Would you throw your hands up right now and right here? Would you sing this song together with us? Let's believe for the best. In Jesus' name. 